The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, And who is saying to you, give me a drink? You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you do not even have a bucket, and the cistern is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this cistern and drank from it himself? with his children and his flocks. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. He said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, You are right in saying, I do not have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you people say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus answered her, Believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand. Because salvation (coughs) is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ. 
When he comes, he will tell us everything. Jesus answered, Jesus said to him, I am he, the one speaking with you. At that moment, his disciples returned and were amazed that he was talking with a woman. But still no one said, what are you looking for? Or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have done. Could he possibly be the Christ? They went out of the town and came to him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, Could someone have brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, In four months the harvest will be here? I tell you, look up and see the fields ripe for the harvest. The reaper is already receiving payment and gathering crops for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For here the saying is verified, that one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the work, and you are sharing the fruits of their work. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me everything I have done. When the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more began to believe in him because of his word, and they said to the woman, We no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. In the opening prayer for Mass today, we prayed, look graciously on this confession of our loneliness, that we who are bowed down by our conscience may always be lifted up by your mercy. That we who are bowed down by our conscience may always be lifted up by your mercy. It's a beautiful line. It paints the picture of how as we reflect on our own sinfulness, we kind of bow down. 
We think about how we're not really worthy. We can start to think about how we're not really good enough. If people knew these things about me, they would not accept me. I don't even want to think about Jesus knowing these things about me. And we kind of bow down. But we pray that we might be lifted up by his mercy. That even though we are bowed down in our sinfulness, our Lord wants to lift us up and restore us to eternal life. To restore us to a life of grace and joy and peace and security in him. That's why we're all here today. To be lifted up by our Lord. And in the reading from the Samaritan woman at the well, we see how that happens. Within her life story, she is bowed down by her conscience, but lifted up by his mercy. Because this Samaritan woman goes to the well, it says, around noon. So have you ever rearranged your schedule for the day because you didn't want to run into people? Right? That's what she did. That's what she did. I remember at one point I was suffering with depression when I was studying in Italy. And so I would always order a sack lunch. And then I would wait until like it was really late at night and everybody was in bed. And so I wouldn't run into people and I would go down stairs to the kitchen, get my sack lunch, and go up to my room again, hoping I wouldn't see anybody. It's insanity, but it's what I did. And sometimes we do the same things. We can feel shameful, and so we sort of avoid conversations with people. If we're a teenager, we just spend hours in our room. Sometimes within marriages, we find excuses to stop somewhere on the way home from work. Bowed down by our conscience, trying to avoid people. And this Samaritan woman goes to the well at noon, at noon precisely in order to avoid people. Because it's the hottest time of the day. Most people would go to the cistern in the morning because it was cooler. But she goes there, hoping not to see anybody, and then she finds Jesus, a Jew. And so encountering Jesus, who's a Jew, it sort of magnifies again her shame. When he asks her for a drink, she has to clarify and say, how can you ask me, because I'm a Samaritan woman. And our Lord continually invites her into a relationship with him. Give me a drink. If you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. I would give you living water. (laughs) 
And there's a difference between a cistern and living water. Living water would be in a well. Right? Living water would be a well that sort of is fed through the ground and the water is always kind of freshly going in. A cistern is just a big hole in the ground and it collects rainwater. So it's sort of like an emptiness that sometimes gets filled up and then it empties out again and then it gets filled up again and then it empties out again and it fills up again. It's like some of our spiritual lives. We like come to church and we jam out our prayers or we might go to adoration and then we go out and then after a while we start to feel empty and we feel like I got to go back and fill up on some more Jesus and then we go out and we start to feel empty and I got to fill up on some more Jesus. It's when we kind of treat the tabernacle like a gas station. Right? Some of you know what I mean. That's like a cistern. But the living water our Lord offers is this well that will spring up within us and will never be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That will never be empty again. That because of what our Lord has done in our life, we'll never have that sense of emptiness. We'll just continually be drawn into him so that that living water of grace might always be overflowing within us. That's what our Lord promises her. But he's in a battle with her own shame. He says to her, go call your husband and come back. And then she's probably thinking, I don't have a husband, I've had five, and I'm living with this guy right now, and if he finds that out, he won't give me living water. And so she makes up an excuse like, oh, I don't have a husband. And then he simply tells her the truth. You're right in saying that. You don't have one husband, you have five. The one you have now is not your husband. As if to say, I know all that, but I'm still offering you this gift. I'm still reaching beyond all of the sin in your life to extend to you eternal life. He's offering her mercy. John Paul II, in his encyclical, it was his second encyclical called Dives in Misericordiae, he says that mercy is this kind of love that extends beyond the requirements of justice. It extends beyond the requirements of justice. Which means in justice, this woman's a Samaritan. It would, in justice, Jesus wouldn't talk to her. In justice, this woman's a great sinner. She separated herself from God. Jesus wouldn't talk to her. But instead, our Lord reaches beyond the requirements of justice in order to restore her to eternal life. That's what he wants to do with us. That's what he wants to do with us. 
That's why Pope Francis made this the year of mercy. So that we would allow our Lord to reach beyond the requirements of justice in order to restore us to eternal life. So that we who are bowed down by our conscience may be lifted up in his mercy. It is specifically mercy that drills the well of living water in our hearts. If our hearts are a cistern, it's mercy. It kind of drills down the bottom of that cistern until we find living water. So that it can well up within us. So that we might know who we are in Christ. And that is the consistent message of the Gospels. It's the consistent message of the Gospels. That's why St. Paul says, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The crucifix is a reminder of mercy, it's the place of mercy. It's the place where even though we deserve to be separated from God for the rest of our lives, the Father reaches beyond the requirements of justice by sending his Son to die for our sins. Because he loves us. Because he loves us anyways. And when we come to know that in our hearts, we cannot help to do what the same, the same thing the Samaritan woman did, which is to go and tell everybody. Let me tell you somebody. Let me show you somebody who told me everything I've done. Many Samaritans of that town began to believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me everything I've done. He told me everything I've done. And we see how that opening prayer is lived out in the life of this woman. And we have the opportunity to let that prayer be lived out in our own lives. By coming before the Lord and letting him into every aspect of our lives. that dark part of us that likes to sin. Jesus, this is the part of me that likes to sin. Father Barak once said to me in a hallway conversation, just really quickly, people need to start with, I love my sin more than Jesus. It's just honesty in our prayer. Jesus, I love my sin more than you. And he'd probably say, I know. And you love all these sins too. But I'm still offering you living water. I'm offering to transform that part of you. I can break through the hardness of your heart and let you be secure in my mercy. in my peace, in my love, in my joy. And it's that security and his mercy 
that allows us to live our Christian life with joy and to spread the gospel even in a culture that is so against what we believe. To show the world that it's possible to live in a different way, in a way that's joyful and attractive, with an energy that never runs out and never gets discouraged because the Lord has indeed planted in us a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so today let us pray that as we continue on this Lenten journey, that we do indeed allow our Lord's mercy to lift us up, to be freed from all attachments to sin, to be free from our past sins that haunt us in our thoughts, to be free because our Lord has converted every aspect of our history. We pray in particular today for all in the RCIA that as they enter the church this Easter, they truly experience that grace of God which transforms every aspect of their history leading up to this point. That they all experience this Jesus who offers them living water and raises them up in his mercy.